Hello everybody and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week we're actually trying something a little different. We're doing something called Magical Learning Reflections. And what that is, is I threw a topic out to the group, which in this case, as you can see by the title of this podcast, is How Things Have Changed. I threw that to the group and I asked them to bring whatever that inspires within them to the conversation. So we've got a very far-reaching conversation. None of the two seem related that everybody brings. Uh, The whole team got involved and it was a really fun one. So enjoy this one. Let us know your reflections on Spotify as well. We've got a little bit where you can leave your comments. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and sharing. And as always, everybody, have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week, we're going to be trying something a little different, and we'll get to that shortly. But uh, before that, let's see how everyone's going. So I'll start with Kanika, since you're in the same room as me. Kanika, how are you going today? I'm going really well, thanks, Jez. Um, The weather's really nice. I'm going to run some errands. I'm on the podcast today, so pretty good day. Lovely. Always good to have you on. Um, Legas, you were first on the call today, so how are you going today? Uh, very similar to Kanika, actually, because I will also be joining in on those errands. Uh, so, but yeah, pretty chill. Just, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> what Kanika said. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Um, Danette, how are you going? Yeah, good, Jess. Um, we've had a nice week at home and the chickens think they're clucky again. So they're sitting on eggs, which are not going to hatch. <laughs> and the baby guinea fowls have decided they're guinea fowls, so they're hanging out with the, the adults except at night. So that's been pretty good. We've also been um, to a place in Kudamundra called the Black Cat Patisserie and Chocolate um, Place, which we've taken some photos, and there'll be one, I think, believe on social media tomorrow. And um, I had a quick chat to the owner of that business today, who's a lovely young woman in Kudamundra who makes her own chocolates and a lot of gluten-free and different dairy products or non-dairy products and stuff. Um, So hopefully at some stage, she'll come and join us on the podcast as well. Very nice. And uh, this podcast is being recorded a couple of weeks in advance. So go back a couple of weeks in our social media and check out that photo. It'll be good to see. Uh, (laughs) Graham, how are you going? Uh, how, how's things? Hey, Jess, I'm good. Thank you. Um, well, you know, it's Thursday, um, two weeks ago, folks, when you're listening to this, perhaps. I joined Annette in uh, said Black Cat Cafe, patisserie, chocolatery, whatever it is, um, this morning. And uh, unlike Annette, I did not take photos of the food that we purchased to share on social media because I'm old. Um, but I did have a lime milkshake. Yes. So, Alice, if you happen to be listening to this in two weeks' time, thank you very much for stocking the only true milkshake flavour on planet Earth. That's me. Wow. Very powerful. Um, that's good to see the lime milkshake still getting a bit of a, a, a use. Great stuff. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, today we're going to be doing something new that I wanted to bring in for 2024. Uh, it's called our Reflection Series, and we'll do this occasionally. Um, and what it's going to be is usually our magical learning uh, topic is we have questions that are thrown out to the team, and the team answers those. But this time we're going to, I'm asking the team to bring something into the conversation that we will then discuss. So how it's going to work is I've given everybody a theme. They are going to give me their reflections on the theme. It can be as abstract or as similar to the theme as you want. It's totally up to you. And then once they've sort of done a little bit of a show and tell, the group can just talk about it. And this may not, like I said, this may not stay within the bounds of one episode. It may become two over uh, different times, but enjoy the conversation. So today I thought a fun conversation to start with is how things have changed. So that's that's really just it. They, I've given no other bounds other than that, so everybody can kind of take that in their own direction. Um, does anybody want to go first, or should I go first? What do we think? Hell yes, I do. Yeah, all right, Graham, I had go hoped. Um, so apologies two weeks ago, folks, but I had hoped to be able to share um, an example of how eastern brown snakes have changed dramatically in the last 50 or 60 years by you know, having one next to me on the veranda where they normally are uh but they're a no-show so instead 
I found this amazing thing in my uh, desk organizer, and I thought, I haven't actually used it. I'm not sure what you do with it, but it's so it's this thing, and it's got like black stuff. I don't know if you can see this really well, and I don't explain it well, but anyway, it's a it's a slim object that you can use to uh, write with, and it has like a lead sort of end at one end, and it has this amazing little soft thing at the other end that, that you can use to erase all of the mistakes that you made when you're using the other end to write. Um, and I, then I thought, you know, how does this compare with this sort of instrument 60 years ago? And I realized nothing's changed at all. So that's me. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting stuff. Graham, I love the abstract take straight away on how things have changed in that it has not changed. I love this approach. And just a quick plug for the uh, establishment that I got it from. You have to be watching the video to get this one. And you can Thank do that you. on Spotify, everybody. Uh, just yep, head over to that. our Spotify links there. Um, <laughs> no, Graham, great start. So we've got, so the, the start of how things have changed, we've started with pencils and how they have not changed, which is kind of an interesting way to take it. I like this thought because uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because I thought so many things have changed, but you are right, Graham. Some things remain the same. Like my humor. Uh, and I just thought, yeah, I'd set the bar really low and then we can get on with some proper stuff. Does, uh, does anybody have some thoughts on pencils and their lack of uh, changing over the last 60 years? I do have some thoughts because those erasers on the back of the pencils are always terrible. And you would think that over time they would have gotten better, but they always like either leave a little mark or you can see like the smudge of it or whatever. And so I think it's interesting that it hasn't changed because it's something that could use improvement um, in my opinion, as someone that still uses pencils. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my thoughts on that. It could use a bit of a change. <laughs> yes, look, I agree with that, Legas. I think it's a good point. And it also, it almost is a highlighter to where you've made a mistake at a certain point. You know, it highlights that section as a little bit erased. Um, so, <laughs> good observation. So it sort of begs the question, begs a lot of questions now that I think about it. Uh, but if we can put a man on the moon and the Tesla on Mars, why? Um, why can't we get this better? And, you oh. know, LEDs are still breaking. Like, the the things that were issues for for the whole time that the pencil has existed still exist today, which mm. is quite interesting. Like, why aren't we using reinforced lead or something, you know, for the little, for the pencil tip, you know? I think some innovation on the pencil could actually be used. Um, why, it's a myth. What is? I was just going to say, it's a myth that pencils have lead in them. It's actually graphite. Oh, graphite. You know what I mean, though? Like, <laughs> it needs to be We'd more all reinforced. We'd be very poisoned right now <laughs> if pencils had actual lead in them. <laughs> you can have a trip while you're writing, you know, <laughs> go a bit crazy. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. <laughs> so what am I supposed to do with my lead pencil now? <laughs> Call it a graphite. Oh, okay. Well, that's changed. Let's move on. Beautiful. Well, great start there, Graham. Very, uh, very fascinating choice. We've st we've started with pencils. Does anybody want to take it in a different direction from there? Uh, I'm happy to. So I had to do a bit of digging around my house to find this because it was put away um, in um, a back of a drawer. But it's actually my degree from my first. Uh, it's, it's got humble brag as well <laughs> no but my point is that I have changed in that uh, from when I studied this to now um, it has gone unused uh, since 2018 uh, hence why it's in the back of a cupboard um, and I guess like part of me did that degree because I thought I had to like I guess growing up you know university was the sort of step that no offense to you guys um you it was pushed uh upon me which i don't disagree with but um i would say that uh bachelor of arts in politics and russian really isn't 
who I am anymore. Um, and even when I was studying it, I knew that I wouldn't use it. Because um, the longer I studied it, the more I realized the issues with politics. Um, and I didn't want to uh, work in that sphere because it's, um, it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I thought I would say that I have changed. Um, I've now studied a separate degree in animation, which is much more sort of along my interests and pursuits. I even have another little guy that I just have. Um, this is a, <laughs> a painting I did um, when I was seven years old of my cat Hoshi, but it's something that I've liked forever doing art. And it's something that I ignored for a long time when I did uni. Um, and now I've sort of come back to it um, because I want to do it as a crib. So yeah, that's my little show and tell. <laughs> it's good to see that original uh, degree still in mint condition. Like it's never used. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. <laughs> I'm curious, has anybody ever written a book, 101 uses for a university degree? Or 101 alternate uses. And the thing that annoys me is just an A4 piece of paper. Like, Jez and Kanika both have degrees that they used to hang up next to, and they're both A3. And mine's A4. So it's just a regular piece of paper that cost me, like, 30K. I'm like, couldn't have even gone for a slightly bigger one. I don't know. And you I'm... also went to the most expensive uni out of the both of us, and you got it's the true. smallest it's piece true. of paper. <laughs> seems about right <laughs> so i guess like as i guess the question from the audience would be what um is the difference that you've found in yourself i guess from your approach to getting the first degree and second degree and what's changed within you mm, that's a good question i guess um i did that degree because i thought i had to and then afterwards I didn't have any use for it. And I was sort of twiddling my thumbs career-wise because I didn't really know where I wanted to go after that. Um, and then in, I think it was 2020 or 2019, I got a drawing tablet, which um, is right there. Um, <laughs> and I actually started to get back into drawing and learning digital drawing. Um, and after a while, I sort of thought maybe I could actually do this. And I sort of backed myself a bit and uh, applied for uni and got in. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely took a bit of a change in the way that I was thinking about how I should live my life. Like I didn't want a job that I hated. I wanted a job that I felt passion for and that I've always been creative and wanting to create things and I think animation is one of the best mediums to be able to create things because you can literally make anything um as long as you have the skill <laughs> so um yeah no I think it's just I've taken myself in a different way and I'm finally sort of chasing my passions so yeah um thanks University of Melbourne for nothing <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Great work, Legas. Um, does anybody else have anything to throw in there before we jump onto the next one? Well, I was going to say, I sort of see a, a connection between Legas and Graham's topics because maybe one of the reasons they don't change the actual pencil is because now a lot of it is done digitally, um, which obviously you use in your animation all the time. So it would be interesting to go back. And I, I wonder, Legas, did you ever do any actual pencil drawings and stuff like that when you were doing your second degree? Uh, no, they tried to make us do one, but it was in lockdown. Um, and so it was just like going to be impossible for them to do it. Cause you had to like take photos of like a hundred drawings that you'd done and line them up perfectly. And they were like, we're not, we're not going to do that for lockdown. So no, actually I've just done everything on the computer. Um, which is interesting, but yeah, I guess like traditional animation in that style of like drawing it on paper is uh, very time consuming. Um, so it's generally being replaced by digital drawing because you can edit it a lot easier and it's already in the program. So yeah, I think 
pencils just have slightly less use nowadays, you know? Because it's interesting. I'm doing a visual metaphors um, course at the moment and um, the guy who's running that, PJ Milani, he actually suggests that first we hand draw stuff to then simplify it, think about how you deliver that message and then put it on computer. So a Actually, you are very correct. I forgot about all the like um, when you when you start an idea, they tried to get us. It was actually we had to draw it in pen, though, which I think is oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it photographs easier for them to review. But um, yeah, for the like very first idea for a lot of assignments, they would make us like sketch it out in the book. Um, and then you sort of bring that into the digital thing. Good point, mum. I forgot about that. <laughs> Nice. Well, uh, good insights. We've had two totally different ones so far, um, so I'm loving that. Does uh, does anybody want to go next? Um, I'm happy to. Yeah. Um, I feel like the way that I have changed. I think people who know me for long now, or like long enough, um, I struggle to. I guess just like I used to struggle to. I guess like just like chill or relax or turn my brain off I was like very high functioning and very very anxious um and I'm still high functioning I'm just not as anxious and like this was even proven between um the two of us Jez and I when we were coming back from India and we had like the journey from hell back with like delayed like cancelled flights and staying up all night and weird transits and not knowing whether our bags are going to make it um between the both of us Jez who is notoriously calm I was calmer so I was the one being like it's just a suitcase if it doesn't show up with us it'll show up three days later it's not the end of the world <laughs> we have clothes it'll be fine but yeah that was wild I was calmer than maybe one of the calmest people I know so um yeah that's how I've changed I'm chill now <laughs> so I'm curious Canoe, what's helped you with that change because that's obviously a really important change for everyone to to make um therapy yep. um I've been going on and off since I was 22 I am 29 now for context so I have had someone but I think it's also um I, I think I'm just learning to accept that there are certain things that are just outside my control I can like literally I can only do what I can do like that's and I think it's often easier said than done um but I think it's just practice in convincing yourself. I think I've spent many, many years convincing myself it'll be fine. And I feel like now I maybe believe it. And I can't say it's going to last. And I can't say, like, I don't know what's happening. It's actually wild. Everyone, all of my friends are just like, how are you so calm right now? I'm not this person. But I'm just like, we're just going to roll with this for however long it lasts. Um but yeah, I think therapy, I think um, just like listening to who I am. And I think like I like I've been journaling since I was like 10. So it's been I've been able to see how I've changed as a person. And I've been able to see the little nuances of like who I was and who I am. And I think all of these things help. But mostly I just like told myself that it's going to be fine and sometimes I think when we are anxious and we catastrophize um, things in our head we always go worst case scenario but we've and like let's say like for example like for me it's like an event and worst case scenario is there's a giant hole in the ceiling at the venue all my artists cancel the food doesn't show up someone says something incredibly offensive on stage like this is me just catastrophizing like the worst things possible and that tends to happen even with like the smallest problem when you're anxious like for example you had to print something and it's going to come closer to the event than before something like that would send me into like catastrophe mode but I think something we forget is that 
between worst case scenario and best case scenario, there are lots of shades of gray. And there's, and like, just because like one tiny thing goes wrong, it doesn't mean it, it, it's just about like actively stopping yourself from catastrophizing in your head as well. So I think we need to remember when we're thinking between best case and worst case scenario, there are shades of gray. It's not either it's the best or either it's the worst. It, it sometimes it most likely will fall somewhere in between, but that doesn't mean it was bad. So oh, love that. Yeah. You muted, Jessica. Yes, yeah, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Does anybody have any uh, thoughts on uh, chilling out versus anxiety um, before we move along? I guess as someone who also is diagnosed with anxiety, I feel like um, obviously it's been a tough couple of years because uh, I guess lockdown really caused my anxiety to go up a lot um, and even uni as well because of all the deadlines. But I think, yeah, I'm sort of, starting to go through a similar process of like even with uni assignments where I wasn't 100% happy with them I would always like kill myself to try and fix them until it was where I wanted it to be but at a certain point in my degree I was like it's a pass it's going in and you're just like they don't really care that much like it's just like what you perceive it to be and what other people perceive it to be are not always matched and like I would usually do well even when I submitted like something that I wasn't 100% happy with but it saved my mental health in the long run I think so yeah no I think yeah just trying to like take a step back and be like it's not the worst it's 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 maybe not the best but it's not the worst and it'll do and yeah I think I think that's about it <laughs> we we did a and I really love that share Lega. we we did a um, workshop last week with a couple of um, farmer groups that Graham had, had worked with a couple of years ago and there's a book called 10x is easier than 2x by Dan Sullivan and Dr Benjamin Hardy and in that, they talk about another book that they've written together called The Gap and the Gain. And they say one of the things that causes us to put a lot of pressure on ourselves and stuff is we look at the gap. So we have like this, this is the ideal. And then, yeah, we could be this close to the ideal, but we beat ourselves up because there's a gap between what it should be in our mind versus what it is. And they said that causes us lots of stress and anxiety versus the gain is every day writing down a couple of wins that you've had. So whether it's a conversation you've had, whether it's an experience, um, whether you've you know done the first draft of something. And then rather than comparing against the ideal, you look backwards to go, look at all of these steps I've taken to get closer to where I want to be. And so it's a much healthier because you then work out that any experience and I really love this phrase, it's happening to you, not, sorry, it's happening for you, not to you, so that everything that happens, whether we think it's a good thing or a not good thing, it actually is helping us grow and learn, which then helps us not beat ourselves up and not stress ourselves up. It's like, okay, what can I learn from this experience, um, which can help. And I think to Kanika's point before too, and yours as well, because I think life experience, once we've experienced it a couple of times, we go, does that work for us or not? And if it's not, it's like, okay, well, there is lots of shades of grey between the worst and the best. I haven't died yet, so let's just go with the flow a bit. Um, so, and, and how good, like, I bet you felt way better when you flew back in from the trip from Hell Canoe because you had that, that reframe in your brain than you would have been passed when you were really super stressed and anxious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it is, um, it's, it's such a fascinating thing. I think it's something that everybody, it's a good skill that's sort of underrated, but learning how to chill out, I think is actually kind of a good skill, even though it sounds kind of like a, a strange thing. It's important. Um, I just also wanted to add to what you said, Nettie, you know how you were just like, you write down things where you're taking steps or you write down a few wins. I think just to, I guess, simplify that a little bit more, I think being grateful is really good for your mental health. Like if you're having a really shit day, you can, sorry, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> 
if you're having a really bad day, like, I think, like, even at the end of the day, even if you're just, like, comfortable in your bed, like, I think, I, I know it, this is not for me to try and downplay people's anxieties or downplay people's, like, misfortunes, but sometimes to make your situation look better, even if you're, like, really, really in the dumpster, it's worth going, like, at least I have a bed to sleep in, you know, at least like there, it could be so much worse. And I, but obviously do that with balance and health and whatever. Don't obviously overcompromise yourself, but it's more of just like taking a moment to yourself and being like this, like, at least I have a bed to sleep in. At least I can sleep for a whole eight hours. Like at least if something goes wrong, I have people in my corner. Like it's all these little things, you know, like if you're really depressed and like, you're just and like your housemate cooks you food you know you're just like that's a massive win I could have been doing this by myself and eating takeaway that does nothing for me but I think if you don't stop and take those in you're not going to realize that your life is good because in your head you're going to be being like everything sucks all the time but that's not true if you have a roof over your head and like a warm bed to sleep in and maybe someone you can call on the phone like those are a lot of things that we take for granted. And I understand it's hard to zoom out when you're in that headspace. But I think it's important to like be like, these are all the things that I do have. I, I read a, a really lovely fiction book this week by Matt Haig called The A Midnight Library. And it's about this um, concept, and we'll do a little social media about someone who's between life and death doesn't really like her life and gets to live a whole stack of different lives in this um, thing to then come back to, you know, what, what does a good life look like? And one of the things I think that you said right at the start, Canoe, and um, yeah, it's super important, seeking professional help. Like if you can't get out of something, there's no shame at all. In fact, you know, we all go to the doctors when we're not well but still in our society, people see having therapy as, you know, they're weak and it's like, no, it's not weak. It's actually, you're learning about yourself, you're building and you're growing. So, you know, we would always also say, if it's not working, go and seek professional help because it's no different from going to the doctors. Therapists understand our brain better than we do. So that's also really important. So I love that you brought that up too. Nice. Well, great stuff, everybody. Um, Mum, uh, do you want to go next, or should I? Well, yeah. Have you got Have you got a topic? I'm happy to listen to yours first. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll yeah. go for mine. Mine's a little bit different, everybody. So I've gone for um. So I know people have been doing very nice, reflective things. Mine's about cheats in video games and how they've changed. Okay, so <laughs> I just wanted to. For me, this is a broader topic, but um, but it's it's at its heart. It's how video games and how their cheats have changed. So there there are cheats in video games. There are Graham, and some of them are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also it's broadly about how video games have changed and how fun has changed in my opinion so uh, let's so if we think about when video games started obviously it's a little, your space invaders and pac-man very bizarre situations if you think about them also they're not really set like i don't know where pac-man is technically set you know like what is the location where is that set it's set in a sort of strange different world it's in the, the pacific ocean oh nice one <laughs> <laughs> and graham's just left well that's that's lovely um, <laughs> um but i just want people to kind of picture that so that sort of weird bizarre world and then um that led on to a lot of games that are sort of on the sega people might remember sonic that type of 2d scroller type game that you might see where it's someone just jumping up and down onto platforms whatever then we sort of moved into 3D uh, worlds, and this is where I think cheats started to really come in. So I just wanted to highlight quickly the video game GoldenEye, which people may remember on Nintendo 64, uh, throwback for people in the 1990s. But some interesting facts about that game was that it was extremely popular because it was a game that you could play um, with four people, and it was the like a first-person shooter. Um, but it also had a lot of really funny cheats in it. Uh, you know, people could have giant heads. You could shoot each other with paintball guns. It was kind of like a bizarre thing. But 
the fascinating thing about the game is that it was based on the movie GoldenEye, which came out three years before the game was released. So that's kind of weird. They're sort of unrelated to two different parts of the decade. These two things came out. But it was made by 12 people who were very passionate about um, James Bond. And it was only 96 megabytes, which I also think is kind of funny. Um, but but what was interesting about that game is extremely highly rated, even though it was unrelated to the film at a certain point because it came out so late. Um, but it was very popular because it had a lot of fun in it. There, there was a lot of characters from different James Bond movies you could be. You could play as all the weird, like, you know, um, security guard in level three. You could play as that person. They put a lot of fun into the game. Then we jump into the 2000s and... Um, a lot of the times games that are really successful on um, on different consoles are very emotional games. They have an emotional element. So, you know, whether it's a Zelda, which people might know, you know, is often a sort of mythical quest that maybe a tearjerker. Recently, there was a game called Last of Us, which became an HBO TV series. Again, also quite an emotional game. But the most popular game that ever came out on PlayStation 2 was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Um, so, which again is not an emotional game by any stretch of the imagination, but once again, built by people that are passionate about fun. So there was a lot of strange characters. They threw Wolverine in there. You could play as a police officer. You could play as just like a hot chick for some reason. You could play as an eyeball. They just really, there was nothing that made any sense in that game. And that was the, one of the missions, for example, is called get Chuck unstuck. It's set in Canada. And it's just a guy whose tongue is frozen to a light pole. And all you have to do is just drive past him. It's not a hard mission at all. It's just because it's funny. Um, so this, and this game also had really wild uh, cheats in it. It had moon gravity. You know, it also had big heads. Uh, it had black and white mode. Um, and when I think of all these things that I've just said, a lot of them are fun. There's not a lot of realism and it's about creativity and just whoever was working on the team clearly just added stuff that they thought would be kind of fun and weird. And they just thought that's going to make the game better. And in both of these contexts, it did. It's their heart and their sort of longing for fun and to make this game kind of silly. Uh, that's really what it is. If we look at games now, though, a lot of them don't have cheats anymore. A lot of it's about realism. And it's about, you know, getting the graphics to the top end so that it feels like you're really playing in a real environment, you know. Uh, and and a lot of the fun of these games, which, you know, was like, oh, you know, collect all these coins and you can buy stuff. Now, a lot of that, you have to actually buy the coins with additional funds after buying the game. It's known as microtransactions. People are not happy about it. But basically, it's the sort of, I think it's the, the as games have gotten bigger, it requires more details, bigger teams. So it really is just one person's artistic direction. And then, you know, a huge team develops it. So we lose that fun element. So I know this has been a bit of a long-winded history of video games and stuff, but I just wanted to kind of touch on like how exciting it is if you're working in a small team, how much that everyone has their opportunity to add their own fingerprints to whatever you're making. And with someone, I guess, who would want to direct that in a way that's like, let me, let's all bring our own fun. And I want this to feel like each one of us has made it. And each one of us can say, yes, I like, I added this part and, you know, it's for this reason. I think that that's really exciting in a, in a way when we're heading towards more uh, things that are more streamlined and, um, you know, more realistic. So anyway, any I, thoughts? I love, 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 love this topic. And I don't play too many video games, um, which is not to say that they're, they're, they don't have, yeah, zero pretty much. They don't have a lot of value. I was even thinking, you know, Jez, when you used, and you and the kids used to play Guitar Hero and stuff like that. So it was fun. You, you know, when you got the whiz thing where it went up, I don't even know what it was called. I did play Star that. Power. <laughs> Star power. But it encouraged you to learn music. Like that was how you learned guitar and stuff like that, you know, drums and all that sort of stuff. And I really liked that bit about, you know, bringing in the fun and the creativity because whether it's creating a, or playing a video game, when when you can go, that's what I've contributed, you go away feeling really good. And I, I would imagine when you're playing some of those games, you're creating connections with other people. And when it becomes a little bit more realistic, a little bit more transactional because you have to pay for additional things, I wonder whether that, as you said, takes away a bit of that fun. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it I think it does for some people. I think it's just become more like it's more like gaming has become more like a sport in some ways. So it's like kind of lost the novelty element a little bit. And it's a bit more like a bit more serious for people. Like it's, it's still downtime and it obviously is still fun, but it's fun in a more, um, I think 
in a, in, a, in a different way than it used to be. Um, I obviously, again, know nothing about games, but I think this is just maybe a theory, like an observation as to why games are not feeling as fun, especially to you as like an, as like a near 30 year old. Um, it's because the, you were already like sentient when games came about. So the novelty of, you remember the novelty of them, you remember, sorry, you remember what it was like. But I think with like people or children born these days, video gaming is like technology is embedded into their lives from the get-go. It's not something that they lived many years without and had. So I'd assume that, the fun games that are made are made for children and they don't consider that with adult stuff anymore because they assume if someone is like older and playing a game that they'd want something realistic and intense and not necessarily just fun. But I'm guessing maybe kids games are funner. I don't know. But I guess you wouldn't know you haven't played a children's game no, no, like I have played some, but I guess my point was more like, you know, like cheats is something that's actually kind of vanished from games. It used to be a really fun part of like the game, but like this is, but for me, that's a broader spectrum thing about fun in general. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like I do know, like Minecraft obviously isn't going for realism, but it, and it is more fun, but it also doesn't really have cheats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder how much of that chess is, um, driven by i mean part of the development of games nowadays to Kaneka's point is that the, the tech's been around a long time now so uh, it, it's probably not well it's definitely not new um how much of the the fun factor disappears because the profit factor starts to drive a lot of development and and look to be honest as somebody who was so exceptional at playing doom when it first came out um somebody who was so exceptional that i i nearly cried i wept actually tears of joy uh the day that somebody shared god mode cheat in doom with me because otherwise i sucked at the thing and i just couldn't care less and, and they're talking about how things have changed so I'd, i upgraded to the ps4 uh thank you sonny uh sony whatever your name is the ps4 version of doom a few years ago i thought oh what the hell i'll just install that and yeah no nah. Yeah, no. Uh, good on the keyboard, but just does not work. So I, I gave up after 62 minutes of being obliterated. Um, and no cheat mode. So Very I, I don't know. I don't know what the world's coming to, but um, bring back the poly waffle. <laughs> Completely different it's topic. Not a game um, <laughs> well, maybe it should be a game and a dessert, a, a, a candy barrel at the same time for those north of the equator. Um, it, sorry, Jess, it also reminded me of Easter eggs in uh, earlier versions of um, some of Microsoft's products like Excel back in the day. You know, they, the, the people developing it, because, they, again, they had a bit of a sense of fun and I'm assuming it was sort of encouraged or supported or con if not overtly condoned, they, they certainly let it happen. Uh, but the programmers would just put some extra code in and then they would leak the steps like the keyboard steps uh, and mouse clicks that you had to go through to access the Easter egg, which was just a surprise thing, whatever it happened to be. Uh, I think in one version of Excel, you um, you ended up on a on another planet yeah, by clicking in this cell and then hitting these three keys and then clicking in that cell and hitting those four keys and then doing something else and all of a sudden your screen changed completely. It's pretty cool back in the day. Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, no, that is definitely exactly what I'm talking about. Just the strange, the strangeness of it. I can think of something that's not really a video game, but tech fun. So when you use Google Chrome and if you can't, I showed this to Jez as well. And like when you can't, um, like if it's not connecting, like it was just like internet connection bad or server error or whatever, there's like the little dinosaur that comes up. Do you guys know this little dinosaur that comes up? You That's a game. Like if you hit your space bar, the dinosaur will run and then you just like have to make it jump over little cacti and you can just keep playing that game till the page loads. Um, guess, guess what we're trying this afternoon. <laughs> quite it. It's pretty good. This it's is something like I like learned when I was maybe like 16 or 17 and it's been the same. And like I remember showing this to Jez as well and he was like, I didn't know this. I was like, yeah. 
when on Google Chrome, if your thing doesn't load, I think Google does a good job with a little bit of fun with their like when there's a different day, they'll have like a little like if you go onto their search page, they'll have like little like you'll learn what kind of day it is or there'll be like a little fact or, you know, I think recently they had like a banner going across for something. I can't remember what, but I guess this is the little bit of fun that I've seen in this this is does this kind of sort of thing work if if i um disable the internet connection yeah yeah so it basically has to be like your internet connection is not working properly awesome. or All something right. well we've got to go folks bye <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just like a little t-rex that like runs and then there's cacti and you just have to press your space bar so he jumps over the cacti it's very basic but it's a great example. You're right. It's it's, it's a weird a little bit things. of fun. Yeah, exactly. It's like your internet's down, but now great time to smash out and see if you can get a new high score. So <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I love that. Great example. Um, so instead of cutting holes in the floor this afternoon, I know where I'll be until yeah, exactly setting new records. And then the cricket's on, so I'm done. Great. <laughs> um. All right. Um. Danette, did you want to uh, give us your reflection on how things have changed? Yeah, so I was going to talk, um, mine was a little bit sort of serious, but also just a, a reflection. Um, and I sort of thought of the topic of work. So when I reflect, when I first started work, it, if you weren't full-time, you were seen as not committed. Side hustles weren't a thing. Um, even, you know, following what your leader told you without having any ability really to contribute so when we were talking earlier about that fun and stuff fun was seen as you were um, not committed to your work that uh, whereas we now know the brain science is fun actually makes us work way more productive way more creatively innovative and stuff like that so thinking about yeah even just the whole office environment the tech that went into that so when i first started started work years ago a long time ago um laptops were big chunky things and they were because uh, i worked in um arthur anderson one of the big accounting firms back then it was a big eight laptops were only really the partners had and there wasn't very many of them they were big and clunky I'm not even sure if mobile phones existed then. Faxes did. Um, but if the mobile phones did, they were bricks, basically. And the concept of working from home, you're having teams in remote locations and that could work and having flexibility about hours and stuff like that just didn't exist. And so looking now at what, you know, seeing organisations that are really flexible versus some who are going... Um, and sorry, let me round back. Atlassian did a report about how their team can work from anywhere, anytime. Um, and Atlassian is an Australian success story where they basically are a tech company that um, work across the world. They're amazing. And the article was comparing their report and their findings, which they've measured the productivity increase of having flexible work in their work environment to a lot of the big techs which are saying you, in the US you need to go be back in the workplace and stuff like that. So it's just reflecting on how work really has changed and some people are still resisting that change and wanting it to go back to a lot more of the control versus building trust and, and you know, utilising people's gifts rather than going, you must do this because I know you better than you know you type thing. So anyway, that was my topic choice. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great point. It's, I feel like I hopefully before the end of this podcast, I think I'll be able to link all of the things that we've talked about because it all feels a little related, to be honest. Like, I mean, the pencil at the start is fascinating because it has, it's really the only thing that we talked about that hasn't changed, obviously, which is fascinating despite its flaws. It and me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and for the same reason. <laughs> but you're talking about it's it's interesting the talk about um, control. I think control is a fascinating kind of um, through line to some degree because pencils, um, like I guess they're kind of controlled because they're not changing. Like as your degree dash career path you wanted to take more control of what you wanted to do. So that's one thing. Chilling out versus anxiety. 
Kanika accepting that there's no, there's some times where you're not going to have control and that's okay. Being able to actually live with that sensation. I think the video game cheats comes down to what you were just talking about then, which is that people trusted people to put in things that they thought would, would make it better in a broad sense. It doesn't really matter in what way, like not in performance per se, but a sort of fun thing. Like Graham still remembers that Easter egg, you know, all these years later, that's it. That's actually had an impact. When I think of the cheats of these other things, that had an impact later because people just trusted their people to be like, you know what, you just give this a little bit. And then exactly what you're talking about with work, mom, it's giving people an option to. It, it's 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 essentially the just it's a push and pull between the control of the employees and the employers to some degree in this new context that you're talking about, like who gets to kind of control who's doing what. So anyway, that's some thoughts I've just had based on what you've said. Yeah. Great truth. <laughs> um, I also just wanted to say, like, I think part, obviously technology has led a lot of the change in the work environment um, as people have more technology at their house, which allows them to do um, stuff. But I think, like, there's just this part that it's like, yeah, employers still haven't learned to trust uh employees when they can't sort of micromanage them and you see a lot of people that um, for their work have to install like um, programs that track what they're doing on their screen and how frequently they're like moving their mouse and all of that sort of stuff um, which is really sad um, but it just shows that the people that are in that managerial space haven't changed they're still as like the pencil unevolved and full of flaws necessarily <laughs> like maybe some good things you know but like I would say some improvements could be made um in regards to that but I think it's nice for people to be able to have more control over their workspace because also like the society has changed where like if you know back in the 60s you were a man you went to work and you would come home with a wife who would have cooked you dinner and done all the chores and all of that but now those societal systems don't really work like that anymore or they're being challenged a lot sort of in our modern day. And so the person needs to be able to have more control over how they work because otherwise there's literally too many things to do in the day, like, you know, add on children and, you know, inflexible work time and say you don't have a partner, like how are you going to pick them up from school? How are you going to like, take them to their appointments like the part the individual does need more control now because a lot more is left to the individual um as opposed to like the community that is like the family structure um but yeah I think like it's important that that change happens um and like I definitely love working from home I love not having to commute you know I think that's such a nice <laughs> part of the change and being able to you know sip coffee from my machine right here like it's I think it brings a greater amount of independence to the person as well instead of being controlled by like a corporation for their entire working career yeah that's my point <laughs> a bit convoluted I'm sorry <laughs> and I guess I guess um mom and Graham I guess uh my question is because both of you have been in the workforce for so long you've seen these changes happen how do you feel about the changes and sort of what, how different does it feel working in 2024 than it did in, I guess, 1994? How old do you think I am, Tess? I mean, that's just insulting. Sorry, 1884. Uh <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, a, yeah, so I was seven. Uh, well, I wasn't working when I was seven. What was I? Um, I, I think... Um, yeah, as, as human beings, we have a wonderful tendency, and we often say it out loud, and sometimes we might just think it without articulating it, but um, we have this tendency to think back and look back fondly on the good old days. And and that was rife through COVID uh, for lots of reasons. Yeah, lots of really valid reasons. Um, but just sort of trying to draw an, a slightly different thread through a lot of the conversation we've had today, ignoring the pencil, um one of the things that has changed is is the access that we now have 
to uh, things like education, you know, apart from put the the the, uh, the study debtors to one side for a second, but it's it's now so much easier in parts of the world for people to um, to get a better education than they once did. Um, the technology thing, as Lega said, you know, it certainly it drives change some of the time, um, and it plays catch up at other times. The the idea that one of the, the good things that come out of COVID was um, finally having organisations and employers um, realise that the idea that we all had to go into a building and all work from there um, is no longer true and probably hasn't really been the most productive way of working for a long time. But then organisations often don't pay attention to um, the facts. You know, we've had in office buildings, office blocks around the world for 40 or 50 years pre-COVID. Um, we had workstation layouts like gopher farms with little half-height partitions separating everybody's workspace. Not because that enabled us to be more creative or productive, because it didn't. It had exactly the opposite effect, but it was cheaper. So one of the things that probably hasn't changed is is that the profit motive often drives a lot of decisions. Um, but for me, you know, even this, I mean, this is not something that we would have done 20 years ago because it wouldn't have been possible. Having a podcast is a very different way of sharing information and ideas and, and poor humour. Um, yeah, even how we think, or sorry, not how we think, but what we think about today has probably changed massively because we are now so much more connected. You know, once upon a time, once upon a, back in the good old day, you lived in a town or a city and you knew your people. And if you lived in a town, you knew most, some or, or most of the people in the town, but that was pretty much the extent of your network. And then the the national or international stuff came via a newspaper or, or you know, sometime in the 60s, I think, a TV, if you could afford one. Now, um, you know, you, you have access to a ridiculous amount of, of the total global sort of knowledge or information, whatever it happens to be, on a thing. Rambling answer. Great question, Jess. Uh, I'll hand over to Danette now, who will put some sense into this. Kanu, did you want to add something there? I mean, I was just going to say that, like, the the big companies, the profit margins, like the thing Lego said about people tracking your screen and, like, putting, like you said, Graham, it was very animalistic with, like, little segregated, like, things. It's because capitalism doesn't view labor as coming from people. We're products. That's ultimately what we are. <laughs> so if you're a product, you're only worth how much, how productive you are. Like, any sign that you're a human being doesn't matter. It's just about how much money can you bring in. So, of course, they're going to treat us like this or treat people like this. It's only their end result that matters. And I think I think smart organisations see beyond that, but there are still a lot that um, don't recognise that actually your productivity isn't how many hours you sit in front of a device, but it's actually creating space to be creative, to be innovative, um, and bringing that out in everyone. So there's not just creative people. Everyone has a different perspective. And this is why things like workplaces are, when they're smart, uh, seeing the potential through things like diversity and inclusion rather than a leader looks like this or a person doing this role needs to look and sound like this. Um, so for me, I remember when I first started leadership, which is obviously part of work, it was literally do as I tell you to do. And if you questioned things or made suggestions, you often got in trouble because who are you? You you know, you don't have the experience, et cetera. I'm happy now that that's changing in, in workplaces where we are understanding that everyone brings a different perspective and therefore we're going to get better value in an organisation and have better time at work when we can actually bring in all of those diverse insights. And I think um, one of the things is that I've seen with work is change is now so rapid. So um, human knowledge now is doubling somewhere between 12 months to 12 hours because of the, the Internet of Things and other stuff. So 
understanding that the way we used to work is not going to work anymore and and how do we equip our people to bring out their best potential and measuring time um, is not necessarily a thing so you can be in the workplace for seven and a half eight hours and we can measure that time but what about the energy you bring what about the insights and the innovation and stuff like that and they're harder to measure um, I know as an accountant um, we don't put our people on the books as an asset because it's one you don't control them um, but two it's really hard to measure the value of what a person brings to the workplace they're measured as expenses um, and liabilities because there's long service leave and stuff like that that's an old way of thinking because really in most organizations if you're using your people's thoughts and that that's where your wealth comes from. That's where the value comes from in, in having a fun workplace, in having a workplace that has that flexibility so people can work with their lives, as Lega said, and work in a way that works with their body clock. For example, I love to start at 4, 5 a.m. in the morning and write a course. Most workplaces go, that's not going to work for us unless they're on a different time zone, and yet, that is where you get the best value out of me. So I think work is going to continue to change and hopefully in ways that work with people's brains, with their body clocks, with their energy and with their lives because ultimately that's super important. Great point, great point. Um, well, uh, we only have a short time left, but I'd just love to grab some final thoughts from everybody. So um, I was going to start with you, Kanika. Any thoughts on today's topic and uh, how things have changed in today's conversation? Um, I think when you did tell me about this topic or tell us about this topic, I was just like, but what are we talking about? Um, like specifically, but I think I liked the breadth of it. I liked um, that you try to tie it in together. Um, and I think it's true. These all kind of feed into each other. And it does seem like um, control in some sense or the other seems like a sort of like run through theme, whether um, even Nettie in your case, if it's just like a company trying to control its employees, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And thanks for being on today. Great stuff. Um, Leggers, any final thoughts on uh, today's conversation and how things have changed? Um, I think this was a fun podcast. It was a bit different. Um, and yeah, I think I do like that you were able to connect all of them because they were all rather different. Um, so I'm very impressed with you, Jez. Um, good job. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, obviously a lot of change is still necessary uh, for a better sort of working system and a society. But I think as we've sort of discussed, change is occurring um, and it's going, you know, down one way. Um, so it's, no, it's very interesting. I, I had a good time. I don't have any major insights. Other than that, but... <laughs> no, that's a that's a good thing. Thanks for being on, Leggers. Great to have you on for our inaugural Reflections Pod. Uh, uh, Danette, any final thoughts on how things have changed in today's conversation? I, I really love this. Um, so this is an example of change. We, we're trying different things. And I think part of our world is change is inevitable. You have to experiment. Some things will work. Some things won't. I love that through the different versions, you came up with that thread around control. And I just want to say to people that whatever the change is, it is happening for you. There is always something to learn from it. I love the idea of gratitude that Kanika talked about when, and, you know, capturing your learnings and stuff like that. Cause ultimately that makes us happier as we learn and grow, even if it feels a bit like a failure at the time, um, there'll be something to learn. So Great topic. Loved that we've tried a new thing. Um, I hope we get to do more of these as well. Thanks, Jess. Yeah, Thanks no problem. I, I'm glad that everyone had a great time. It's been really fun trying it out. Um, Graham, any final thoughts on today's conversation and how things have changed? Uh, not really. I'm thinking if we do this again, I might bring a notebook because they've also changed massively. Over these some sort of stationary theme going on here. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd I'd love to 
going back to Kanika's point, it's just about the breadth of the conversation. We started off in a stupid point, but we fortunately brought some intelligence into the conversation. So thank you all for doing that. Um, you know, as Danette said, change is inevitable. It's constant. It's always here. It always will be, hopefully, because if things literally stay the same, I don't want to be here. Um, and for, for people listening or watching, you know, if you do have a crap day, that's okay. It's part of being human. Um, you don't have to do it on your own. So yeah, probably one of the great changes, I think, for us as a species in the last 20 years is that therapy is now more acceptable than it once was. Uh, and we can certainly improve on that. Uh, great conversation. So thank you, everyone. Good idea, Jess. Thanks. No problem, everybody. And I mean, Graham, we said that things have changed and things have constantly changed. But I think we've got to circle back to the very beginning of this conversation, which is that pencils still remain terrible with their eraser. That doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank everybody for being on the call today and the, the podcast. I'm glad we tried this out. If you um if you have any reflections, you can actually jump on the Spotify link and you can put your own one in there. We'll have a look at those as well. But otherwise, thank you, everybody, and have a magical week. Thanks, everyone.